You know, over the last 10 days or so, it has been a period of high anxiety, waiting for the numbers, which is probably going to have an influence on what the Federal Reserve does about interest rates in the economy. And, and to the uninitiated, the numbers looked awfully good. The consumer price index exactly as expected. The core rate still seems a little high, but at least it seems to be headed in the right direction. So is this Goldilocks? Bill Adams is the chief economist for Comerica Banks, and he knows the answer. It's good to have you with us. David, it's a pleasure to be with you. So is this Goldilocks sort of not too hot, not too cold? Inflation still 4% in year-over-year terms. That's not the Fed's target. It's not good, really. It's down from over 9% last June, so the direction of movement is really encouraging. But the, uh, we still have a long ways to go until the U.S. economy is operating back on an even keel. But 2%, is that realistic? We had 2%, actually under 2% for a couple of years prior to the pandemic, and I don't see a reason why we can't get back there over time. It's more a question of uh, whether the U.S. economy has to go through a recession to get down to 2% inflation or whether we can just go through a period of kind of uh, below trend, middling growth and, and kind of get there in this more Goldilocks way. Uh, today's CPI report, I think, is more evidence that the U.S. might be able to get to lower inflation um, with, uh, w- without going through a recession. So I think that's encouraging signs that we're already seeing inflation slowing down. So, so when we go back and, and look at the, the history books uh, uh, during this period, are we going to have an asterisk? Uh, I mean, this really is, this is an unusual period, isn't it? So you had everybody locked up for two or three years, and they had a bunch of money they couldn't spend. They'd normally be traveling or going out and eating steaks, and they couldn't do that. And and then you had a bunch of government money to make them whole for the wages they weren't they weren't getting. And we had this long period of really low interest rates. Then everybody comes out and starts spending money all at once. I mean, it is sort of an exceptional period, isn't it? Is there, is there precedent for this? I can't think of any precedent with this amount of fiscal stimulus and monetary stimulus at the same time that we've gone through a pandemic like this. You know, think back to, you know, pandemic of the, you know, World War One. We, we did not have a federal government uh, support system in the way that we have today. So it, I think you're right. There isn't really a, a direct analogy. Uh, what uh, I think is going on right now is that a lot of the dislocations from that pandemic period are coming out of the economy. But the underlying trend in the economy is that you've got a really, really strong labor market, really high labor demand at the same time that the growth in economic activity has slowed dramatically. So uh, in the last couple of months, we have seen job growth holding up, but a lot of the uh, organizations that are still hiring, you know, think of your your local school district. They couldn't find bus drivers. They couldn't find people to work in the cafeteria, couldn't find crossing guards. So those types of jobs are still um, getting filled, and that's supporting top-line job growth at the same time that a lot of other sectors are slowing down. And that slowdown, I think, is part of what's driving the lower inflation in uh, the May report. Well, and that argument about wage inflation really it seems intuitively very logical. You have a whole lot of people who've retired. You've got this demand for jobs. It's going to push wages way up. Then I read an article, I guess it was in Bloomberg, on Bloomberg yesterday, that's suggesting that the Fed itself was beginning to back off that argument and, and that maybe that wasn't the driver that they thought it was going to be. In, in pushing up inflation in the economy. 
So my take on the labor market right now is that we've seen much more of a slowdown in the last year or year and a half than you would get but just by looking at the unemployment rate. 3.7% is what we had in the May jobs report. That's still very low. But if you look at layoff announcements, you look at the pace of hiring, uh, look at the pace at which uh, workers are quitting jobs and taking jobs with competitors for higher wages, all of those measures of churn and dynamism in the labor market have slowed down much more than the unemployment rate has risen. So uh, I think that, you know, however much stock you put into the argument that um, wages are going to drive inflation or could drive inflation, uh, these uh, markers of a, a, a labor market that is operating on a more of an even keel, I think, are encouraging evidence that we could see wages be less inflationary, however big the, the magnitude of its effect is. So let's talk about our area. Now, Comerica, you're, you're covering, at least for the bank operations, California all the way to Texas, then up to up to Michigan. But but here in the Southwest, and we've been told that we were bulletproof for a long time, but it really looks like we're beginning to see some slowdown. I saw housing prices in Austin uh, most recently, month over month, had fallen double digits. Things seem to be slowing down a little bit here. Are we catching up with the rest of the country? Uh, Texas's economy is really different from the rest of the co- uh, country. We have this long-term secular trend of moving here from the rest of the country, um, and that's driving population growth. It drives the real estate industry. Uh, it drives the retail industry. Um, and I think that long-term trend still holds. And so I'm expecting to see uh, good growth out of Texas this year, but that's still slower than what we've had in the last couple of years. And uh, if you want to think of how high interest rates and high mortgage rates uh, affect us here, the issue, I think, is less that um, people aren't coming to Texas and more that if they're coming to Texas from California and the California housing market slowed down, it's a lot harder to sell that house in California and bring that money to Texas to, to fund a new home purchase. So the housing market is slowing because of that. Uh, a lot of demand uh, or a lot of supply in housing was um, being built to get ahead of expectations for the future population growth. Um, Those plans made in 2021, 2022, and now in 2023 and looking into 2024, interest rates are really slowing down the housing market. And, um, you know, think back to Texas in the 80s and 90s, uh, the energy industry played a huge role in our economy. These days, a lot more of it is driven by the consumer and by housing, and so interest rates are, are having an outside effect, you know, outsized effect. That's an interesting situation too with housing, because you know if you have if you're sitting on a three and a half percent mortgage. I mean, you've got to be an idiot to get rid of a three and a half percent mortgage. Maybe if you need you just need more space, you buy another house and rent that one out if you if you can do that. But otherwise, you're an idiot to walk away from a mortgage like that and, and go buy something for double that. Well, you know, to, to quote uh, an, another great economist, Julia Pollack, life happens. So people get married, people yeah. get divorced, um, you know, changes in household sizes. You need more space or you downsize. And uh, that, that drives people changing where they live and, and selling and or if, if not selling, at least leasing out their old home. Um, and looking for a new one. And so that that's really still uh, caught or people 
get a new job, they move to a new city that that drives a, a home purchase. And so you, you still do see people buying because of those lifestyle uh, reasons. Uh, you also, in, in the new home segment, um, a lot of home builders are offering incentives to home buyers, uh, buy downs on, on mortgage rates, um, and using that to, to kind of tip the balance and, and get people still interested in buying new homes. Uh, and so even though we've seen a really big slowdown on existing home sales, new home sales are actually holding up, you know, they're not anything like they were last year, but they're holding up okay. Um, and you're not seeing as much of a slowdown in that segment of the real estate market. Look, I, I don't know if this, this works, but, but but let me give you this premise. Investors' sentiment has really improved dramatically. There's nothing like a bull market to do that. But they seem <laughs> yeah. to be coming off the sidelines, and they're feeling better. One thing that we'd seen, though, was that small businesses, medium-sized businesses, were reluctant to borrow money, reluctant to expand, reluctant to grow, because all of this drumbeat about a recession being imminent. Are we beginning to see some of that abating? I mean, as as investors are feeling better, are, are borrowers feeling better and, and business feeling better? We got a really encouraging report this morning with uh, small business sentiment increasing on the month in May. Um, and to be honest, I was expecting small business sentiment to go down in this morning's report because um, small businesses were really concerned about the debt ceiling. And that survey was conducted before they reached the deal in Washington. Uh, in previous debt ceiling standoffs, you see small business sentiment fall prior to the deal. You see consumer confidence pull back. Uh, and then you see a recovery in the couple of months after that. So I, I think seeing small business sentiment edging higher before the deal, and and I would expect probably we'll see another month over month increase in June. Um, I see as an encouraging sign. You know, it's uh, uh, on the one hand you do see these uh, classic business cycle leading indicators, the uh, economic indicators that tend to weaken ahead of the overall economy do point to a, a slower economy in the second half of the year, things like the relationship between long-term interest rates and short-term interest rates. But small business sentiment improving, I think, is is good news, and you can't totally discount that either. Okay, uh, let me get you to take out the crystal ball here for 24, <laughs> okay. hour, 24 hours from now and then for six weeks and 24 hours from now. So, right. so several, several FOMC members have been talking publicly in speeches about wanting to there, there being more more high, uh, higher interest rates by the same token we see the the odds 94 percent 95 percent chance that they at least pause in raising interest rates this time around so let's take that as a given what happens six weeks from now Ah, this is one where i feel like either call i'm pick i'm gonna have bad luck and be wrong um, right now, I see the Fed is slightly more likely to hold rates steady than to raise them uh, in the July decision, but it, it's a very close one. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see them uh, raise rates by another quarter percent. Uh, and that is what Fed policymakers are signaling to markets. And you can kind of try to second guess that and say how much of that is they just don't want the stock market to keep going up at this pace versus how much of it is they really expect to raise rates in July. But th their public messaging right now is to, to say to the private sector, be prepared for further interest rate increases, be prepared for rates to stay high um, through the end of this year. 
Uh, and uh, that is what the Fed wants us to be thinking. And, and no matter what they do six weeks from now, I would bet that's the message we hear tomorrow from the chair is that, you know, be on your toes and this don't believe that this is the last time you're ever going to see a hike in interest rates. I, I think I think so. I, I've uh, I haven't jinxed myself by pre-writing the report, but I'm guessing we get something <laughs> like that out of tomorrow's meeting. Bill Adams is the chief economist for Comerica Banks. We always enjoy the the dialogues. Thank you very much for the time. A pleasure. Thanks again. Thanks for more of a conversation. Go to krld.com/slash/ceo. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.